0: What does it mean to have a renewed hunger for God? Find out next on Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job.
1: Whatever piques our interest, whatever we're hungry for, whatever we're engaged in, typically where our heart is at is what we will have a hunger and thirst for.
0: and welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and he's also the President of Moody Bible Institute. Well, Mark, you begin a new message today in our series on Nehemiah, and it's titled Experiencing Grassroots Renewal. I know you're very excited to share this message.
1: Yeah, you know, renewal has been on my heart, Wayne, for years. Just because I know how much I need to be periodically renewed in my heart because mm. we get crusty. We get a little bit uh, cold spiritually. Right. It's been said that without periodic visitations from God, the church inevitably uh, shrinks back to a state of lukewarmness. Mm. And I think that's true in our own heart. And so uh, this passage is all about that. It's about um, what it means to have a hunger for God And the purest form of revival is when people are hungry for God and become convicted so much so that they're willing to take steps of obedience.
0: Well, we look forward to what God's Word will teach us here today on this theme, Mark. We're in Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll see how God did a miraculous work in bringing 40,000 people together who were hungry for Him. It was a massive rebuilding effort of Jerusalem. The walls were built, the doors secure, but it was more important that hearts were right before God. Let's pick up the story now. Here's Pastor Mark Job on Bold Steps Weekend.
1: And so Nehemiah did in 52 days what had not been accomplished in 141 years. This devastated town is turned around in 52 days because the hand of God was upon him. And now we arrive at chapter 8. They finally hung the doors, put the gates on. The the mile and a half wall, 15 feet high, three feet wide is finished and you would think they would all be cheering and celebrating and like, hey, it's over, but it's not. Because here's what I want you to understand. Unless the spiritual part of your rebuilding is renewed, then your rebuilding is in vain. You see, I'm glad that you're rebuilding your business. And praise God that you're out of chapter 11 now and, and, and you have some investors that are helping you out and you've gotten back on, on, on focus and, and, and you have a business plan. And that's great. I'm really happy for you because that's important. But listen, unless you get your spiritual part right, then the, the, just getting your business in order doesn't set everything straight unless God is able to revive your heart. Hey, I'm glad that you and your wife were separated. I'm glad that you're back together. I'm glad you're seeing a marriage counselor. I'm glad you're rebuilding your marriage and making steps to go forward. But unless there is spiritual renewal in your own individual lives, the job is only half completed. That's right. That's right. Hey, I, I'm really happy that you, you are, have celebrated one year of sobriety and that you haven't touched the bottle in 12 months. And that's great because that's a huge, huge milestone. But listen, unless your spiritual life is renewed, your sobriety is not the whole picture. It's only half of the picture until God begins to renew your spiritual life. The rebuilding is not finished until God gets a grip on on, on your spiritual life. So the wall was finished, Now, God wanted to do something deeper among the people, and this is a pretty incredible chapter, and we only have time this morning to deal with the first nine verses. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, when the seven-month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns. Now, the wall was completed in month 6, so this is a few weeks after the the wall has been completed. And the Israelites had settled into their towns. The job is done. They're not under so much stress. It's a couple weeks after the wall has been finished. It says, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. Now, the water gate square was sort of like the main plaza of Jerusalem. And when it says all the people, you need to keep in mind that the population of Israelites was 2% of the entire population that had been taken exile to Babylon, which was about 40,000 people. So... There's close to 40,000 people that gather together in this big plaza. It looks like a demonstration. It looks like some major manifestation, demonstration of the people, but they gather together with one specific purpose. And it says, They told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And you remember who Ezra was. Ezra was the preacher. Nehemiah was the builder. It's funny to me, though, that the preacher didn't get much done until he hooked up with a business guy that was able to organize things and make things happen, right? Ezra had been preaching, and preaching the wall wasn't rebuilt, the church wasn't restored until Nehemiah came into the picture and organized things. And sometimes, oftentimes, I I believe that the church... Needs a little bit of both. It needs the preaching, but it also needs the organizers because if all you do is just preach to a crowd, nothing gets done. People need to be mobilized to get things done. I believe in a church that's mobilized, not just a church that assembles to hear practical teaching and fill up notebooks. I believe in a church that gets mobilized to get something done. Amen? Okay, just making sure you're with me on that. So here it says that the people of God... they they assembled together now they assembled together after the work of the wall was done and they had one request of Ezra the preacher they said to Ezra remember 40,000 of them say to Ezra bring out the book the book yeah bring out the book now we have the the advantage since the Gutenberg Press was first instituted, we have the advantage of having the book uh, pretty much in every home across America. And and we have the advantage of having Bibles. They're neatly bound, they're packaged. You can get them in thin line and extra large letters and pocket size. And, and I mean there's every kind of, you know, the big fat King James Bible and the thin you know, comic book Bible, and there's the youth version and the recovery version and the prosperity version, and every, you know, we have that advantage. But what you have to remember is that in the days of Nehemiah, people didn't have Bibles. There was no printing press. So these precious scrolls were very few and far between. And so the people said to Ezra, bring out the book, the scrolls. Because we want to hear it. Notice what happens. So, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all those who were able to understand. He read it out loud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. And he had several men on his right and several men on his left. Look at verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people who could see him could see him because he was standing above them as he opened it. The people stood up. Verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, something incredible happened on this day, and I want to bring your attention to it. Something incredible happened on this day because 40,000 people gather in this big plaza and they say, We want you to read the book to us. So, from sunrise, now how many of you know when sun rises around Chicago? Some of you say, I get up at 11. I, I. Those of you that actually go to work in the morning, get up, and and don't work second shift. Some of you probably have never seen, you know, you work second shift. or Around 6 o'clock, right? Okay, (laughs) 5.45. He's got it down. 6 o'clock in the morning till noon, Ezra reads the law. Now, how many hours is that? Six hours. Now, what book is he reading and what law is he reading well he's not reading the Gospels because they this is 600 years before Jesus so obviously he's not reading the Gospel he's reading what is called the Pentateuch pent stands for five right pentagon five five so Pentateuch means five books the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch and they were all written by Moses Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? Now, some of you have read through the Pentateuch. Others of you have tried to read through it on your read through the Bible in a year quest. And many of you have gone through Genesis saying, wow, this is interesting, the Garden of Eden, the fall, Babel, Abraham, Isaac, faith, beautiful, you get to Exodus and The people that are in slavery and Joseph's story and the plagues, man, we're rolling here. And then suddenly you get to Leviticus. Some of you have made a lot of read your way through the Bible until you got to Leviticus and then you bolt out. And uh, you go to the New Testament because it starts talking about the pork you shouldn't eat and the law of this and that and genealogies. And you bail out at Leviticus and Numbers and you've never gotten past that. Well, imagine Ezra standing on a wooden platform. Everybody's standing. There's no cushion. There's no seat. There's no amplification. 40,000 people are there in this plaza. Now, How many is 40,000 people? Well, imagine the United Center full to capacity. Imagine that. Full to capacity. That's a big crowd, right? Well, now double the United Center, because I think the United Center seats about 20,000 or so. Two United Centers packed out, One guy without a microphone, without big Megatron screens in the back, so you can't see Ezra's expression. He's a little head on a platform way over there. People are standing. They're outside. There's a little noise. And for six hours straight, he reads through the Pentateuch. You say, man, they must have been bored out of their minds. I mean, he must have had, like, drama going on in the background and people dancing and people saying, wake up, everybody. No! It says, and all the people listened attentively. Now, I've been a pastor, preacher, communicator for a long time. I know that's a miracle. I mean, Leviticus, and they're listening attentively? You know why? because something had happened in that crowd supernatural unexplainable something that occurred in their heart that made them here's the word catch it hungry for God hungry for God you see there's something that happens when we become hungry for God that that causes our attention To focus. When people become hungry for God, it causes everything to shift around a little bit. You listen better. Your heart's engaged. You respond. You want more. You're open. You hear. It touches you. You're engaged in worship. In fact, you know what they were doing? It tells us that as Nehemiah was was reading, Uh, the word of God, he read out loud and it says, first of all, he got up, he stood up and the people lifted their hands and they responded and they said, amen, amen. You know what amen means? It means, yes, so be it. It means I agree. It means, yeah, right on. That's what amen means. And so the people were saying, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we agree. So they were verbally responding.
0: That's Pastor Mark Job, and you're listening to Bold Steps Weekend. Mark is teaching from Nehemiah Chapter 8 about experiencing grassroots renewal. There's much more we can learn from Nehemiah's experience and example, and it's coming up in just a moment. If you're new to Bold Steps Weekend, I'd like to welcome you to the program. Everything you're hearing today is also available on our website at boldstepsweekend.org. When you visit us online, you'll also find options for hearing this program on demand on the free Moody Radio app. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. However you connect with Bold Steps Weekend, it's our prayer that the messages you hear challenge and encourage you to take the next bold steps in your faith. So make sure to look out for our current teaching series called Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World when you visit boldstepsweekend.org. Now let's go back to our message. Thousands of people were weeping over how faithful God had been to the Israelites. In fact, a renewal was forming just as the city's rebuilding was completed. Here's more from Mark Job on Experiencing Grassroots Renewal.
1: Not only were they verbally responding, but it says, and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So as, as Nehemiah praises God, they're saying amen, they're waving their hands, and then they get on the ground, they they get on their faces, 40,000 of them, and they bow on the ground, their face down. They're engaged in what's happening. They're engaged in worship. Let me tell you how you know whether you're hungry for God. You see, when you're hungry for something, you have an appetite for that. You're engaged in that. You see, we're not, when you're not really hungry for something, you're easily bored with it. You know, some of you have tried to get your, your wives to really sit down with you and watch the Bears game. And, 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 and you know, some women are really, really engaged in it, but others are like, you know, a bunch of burly guys running around knocking each other down. Like, that's not what I'm into. And so you said, sit down, honey, and, and watch this, isn't She's like, mm, I'll watch it for five minutes. Okay, I got to go. And because she's not into it, she's just not into it. You know, just like if, you're, if it's not something that's close to your heart and you really like, then you easily get bored with it. Yesterday, I spent two hours at a mall. Now that's love, right? Two hours, two hours. And we took our whole family, took our whole family. So um, now m- my, you know, this is just the way people are wired. Now my wife and my daughter felt like this is way not enough time for us because, wow, we only, uh, only got to see only a few places. We have a lot more time. My son Josiah Stayed in the car for two hours in the parking lot because he didn't want to go and just read he was he was and my eight-year-old son And I went in and we sat down at a coffee shop and he had a cinnamon roll And I had a coffee and we waited and was like hey this is long and my son was hey When can we go and then my daughter and were my wife were like man? this is really short time I guess we have to go now because It's all about what you're engaged in and interested in. I was bored with it, but they were engaged in it because their heart is more into it than my heart was into it. Uh, Some of you guys, um, you know, you love cars and vehicles, and so you see a car driving down the street, and, man, you're into the motor and the cylinders and the horsepower and the year it was done and the body. and and who manufactures it, and you know all the details about it, and you really love the car in your garage, and so you try to tell your wife, you know, hey, don't park too close, it can get dented, and she's like, yeah, whatever, it's just a car. But for you, no, no, this is much more than a car because you're engaging, your heart is there, so you think about it, you, 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 you really take time, you wash it out, and your wife says, didn't you just wash it two days ago? Yeah, but it's dirty, can't you tell? And any little nick you notice and you want to clean and it aggravates you when people put food on the carpet and it's not taken care of. Why? Because you value it highly. Some of you are into the stock market and you spend a lot of time watching a little television with little bleeps and numbers and it really affects you. Throws your day off when those numbers go down. Puts your day up when the numbers go up. You're really, really into it because you value it. And whatever we value... Grabs our attention, piques our interest, keeps us engaged. But if we don't value something, we are easily bored by it. Uh, it, It's just, we're we're not with it. We endure it, but it bores us. Listen to me. me. Hear me well. Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, it's a miracle of God that 40,000 people, men, women, and children were engaged in the reading of the Word of God because they were hungry for God. Six hours. Not a half hour, 45 minutes, six. You see, it's um, John Piper that wrote in his book, A Hunger for God, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because we have drunk so deeply and are satisfied. It's because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world that our soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. you realize that in some countries, they don't gather in a big building like this? In fact, in China, the gospel is exploding like no other country around the world. China, Africa, and some parts of South America, people are coming to Christ in unprecedented numbers. Churches are being birthed, and you know where typically they gather in China? They gather in homes, packed out from wall to wall, and some of the, because it's it's not a, a open country, and some of them, some of the leaders are put in jail, and you know what they have? They value the word of God, because often they don't have. They have handwritten copies of the Word of God. I had a guy, a guy that told me that, that uh, many of those people have memorized just entire books of the Bible, and they hand-copy the Word of God, and I'm told that if the Bible study and the teacher, the guest preacher or teacher, comes and preaches less than two hours, people are disappointed, like, hey, that was a really short message. Man, we're hungry here. Amen. And here's of you're saying, Pastor... I really hope we need to get Pastor Mark a bigger watch because, I mean, he went over 10 minutes before, hey, tech team, big watch, neon lights in the back, hey, it's time to close. You see, whatever we're hungry for, whatever we're thirsty for, whatever we're engaged in, we can endure a lot of. You know, some of you that are into movies, you can sit there and, you know, watch hours and hours of movies. Hey, let's watch the entire Lord of the Rings series and you'll sit there and watch seven hours of Lord of the Rings. Be engaged in it. But yet when you just think about trying to spend 15 minutes in prayer, you like this cloud of, whoa, that's a long time. 15 minutes, I mean... And the point that I'm making is this, folks, is that whatever piques our interest, whatever we're hungry for, whatever we're engaged in, typically where our heart is at is what we will have a hunger and thirst for.
0: And here's that quote from John Piper again from the book called A Hunger for God. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you've drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. This is Bold Steps Weekend with Bible teacher Mark Job. We're halfway through his message titled Experiencing Grassroots Renewal, and we'll pick it up next weekend, so make plans to tune in again. By the way, have you requested your copy of our latest Bold Action Gift? Here to tell us about this special resource is Pastor Mark.
1: We all love a good story, full of suspense, action, and drama. And yet when it comes to our own lives, well, we usually want it exactly the opposite. Conflict, chaos, and uncertainty are all things that we try our best to avoid. But sometimes life gets a little messy. And when unexpected challenges do come our way or the situation seems to be getting out of hand, we might begin to question God's plan. After all, How can things be going wrong if God really is in control? It's a convicting question, and it's the topic of Nancy and Robert Walgamuth's eye-opening book, You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. Through personal and biblical accounts of real-life struggles, Nancy and Robert show us how God really is the master storyteller, weaving all of our earthly tales together towards an eternal, happy ending. And we'll be happy to send you a copy of this encouraging resource today when you give a gift in any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps.
0: To make your donation and request a copy of You Can Trust God to Write Your Story, call us at 866-535-5580 or give at boldstepsweekend.org. And one last reminder before we go, don't forget to sign up for Mark's weekly email devotional, The Bold Stepper Weekly. It's free and delivered automatically to your inbox every Monday morning. You can sign up online at BoldStepsWeekend.org. Thank you for tuning in today. For Mark Job, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Be sure to join us again next weekend when Mark continues his message called Experiencing Grassroots Renewal. That's next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.